pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. special offering for the uh, air conditioners we've just been putting it into the building fund whatever if somebody designates air conditioner building fund it's all going into the same kitty so we'll just take it out of there when the time comes uh, basically what they'll do is they'll cut us a check for the amount minus that 1250 so we're gonna make it amen, amen. hallelujah well, turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Uh, last week, y'all got blessed with Brother Darrell's preaching. And uh, so it's been two weeks since we studied the Believer's Authority. We're just going to pick up where we left off, I guess. So in, I'm sorry, not Ephesians 6. We will be going there, but uh, we're going to start off in Ephesians 1, verse 17 through 23 the apostle paul said that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of that mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above principality and power, might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. What a wonderful prayer the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. And every church that's read this epistle, including our church, he's praying that prayer for the church, the body of Christ. And I told you before, we can pray, pray it for ourselves. We can take these, they call them the Pauline prayers, there's several of them, and we can pray them for ourselves and personalize them for ourselves. And this is one of them that I have for myself. Prayed it this morning, prayed it several times every week. And uh, I, I believe that for a while now, I've been feeling this spirit of wisdom and revelation coming on me at times. And sometimes I don't even recognize it, but I look back at it and I say, where did that come from, you know? And uh, I didn't know that. And I realized this spirit of wisdom and revelation is starting to work in me. But Paul didn't say that only a select few believers could have this. He didn't say it's just for the cadre of the church, the pastors, the evangelists, the apostles, the teachers. He said that anybody, any believer could have this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And we can all know the hope of his calling. We can all know what the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints and we can all especially know the exceeding greatness of his power to us were who believe according to the working of that power that he wrought in christ 
and we can especially know our position with him and the authority that he conferred upon us. We can know these things. Paul prayed that we would know them. They're out there for us to know. And the more we study uh, the word of God and the more we educate our spirits about the authority of the believer, I believe we'll start walking in this truth more and more and we'll start experiencing things like we never did before. You know, it's like I said, sometimes it's very subtle. And at other times, it's like, did I just say that? Did that come out of my mouth? Where did that come from? How did I know that? How did I know what to do? Not only how did I know what to do, how did I know how to do it? I had no knowledge of that. I never read a book on it. I just didn't. It's the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we've been praying for. And sometimes you think, man, I'm going to take notes. You might be the one that said it, but you're going to want to take a note because it was that impressive. And that's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's starting to manifest through you. This is what I experienced at times. Now, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to show you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and how it's at work. I mean, you want some more knowledge of him, right? This is what Paul is praying for us, uh, that we'd have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I want to know more about him. So Paul gives this little short dissertation in the sixth chapter, verses 1 through 9, and then he says, Finally, my brethren, my sister, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, how do we do that, Lord? How can we be strong in you and in the power of your might? Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. For we wrestle not, we don't wrestle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against other human beings, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You want more knowledge, don't you? And then he says, again, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. He said that twice. He said whole armor twice. So it's important that we put on the whole armor and we don't leave one of the items off. He says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So what's the evil day? It, it could be the, the day of the Antichrist, the, the tribulation. It could be a lot of things. But I think it's the day that the devil decides to attack you. That's an evil day. Amen? He says, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now he's describing the armor. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. He said above all, taking the shield of faith. He's talking about defensive body armor right now. And your greatest defense is the shield of faith and then he says and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me. You want to know what to pray for your pastor? Right here is the main prayer. That utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. You know, I need utterance before I can really preach the word. God has the Holy Ghost has to give me utterance. And then he has to use what I put in me and whatever God decides to give me at the time. You know, I've got notes. I've been teaching from Brother Hagin's book on the believer's authority, but God gives me things that aren't in the book. And so that's the utterance that God gives me so I can speak it boldly to you. He says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now that was the King James Version, and it's really good. But let's read it in the Amplified Classic. Paul says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord, be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Now, I was in the service during the Vietnam conflict. Paddywhack was in the service. Queenie was in the service. Brother Darrell was in the service, and they'll know what I'm talking about here. The rest of you just have to take my word for it. They provided me everything that I needed. If I went to warfare for this country, this country had my back. I'm going to let that go. <laughs> it's changed a little bit since then, but the country had my back. They were going to supply all my clothing, all my equipment, my good, good shoes. They buy good equipment, good shoes, you know, my backpack, everything that goes in it, sea rations, my weapons, everything. They are going to provide it for me, and rightly so. They don't put they don't put you in the army and then say, "All right, you need to buy a gun, you need to buy this, you need to buy some good boots because you're going to be tromping around in the jungle and you got to do this and that." No, they supply everything I need. Uh, first day of boot camp, we went to quartermasters and left there with a big duffel bag full of equipment and full of clothes. They provided everything. We're in the army of God, and guess guess what? God is going to supply everything that we need to fight in his army, to fight his battles for him. Amen? We're his army on the earth. Everything he does, he does through his body. And so he provides us. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavily armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. That's why the equipment has to be top shelf. It's got to be the best equipment because uh, you have to be able to successfully stand up against your enemy in order to defeat him. He can't send you into a battle with a slingshot like David went into a battle. Not when there's superior weapons. He's going to give you the superior weapon, a weapon that's better than your enemy's weapons. Get a couple of batteries ready, Matthew. So we wrestle not with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, 
but against the depotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. So this battle isn't with flesh and blood. He said, therefore, put on God's complete armor. Come on, man. Put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger and having done all, the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Hold on one second. says stand therefore hold your ground having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity and of moral rectitude and right standing with God and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm foot of stability the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace Isaiah 52 7 says blessed are they are beautiful are the feet of those that Preach the gospel. So lift up over all the covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. Now, now we're going to transition from, those are all defensive weapons. Now we're going to transition to offensive weapons where we take the offense and we attack the enemy. He said, take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the Spirit wields, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. I'm still reading what we started out with, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. But it seems a lot longer, doesn't it? Why? Because it's been amplified. And pray also for me that freedom of utterance may be given me, that I may open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news, the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in a coupling chain in prison. Pray that I may declare it boldly and courageously as I ought to do. You know, Paul never said we wouldn't have to fight. He shows us that we have the superior equipment and it's been provided for us to fight with our armor and our weapons. You might say, well, uh, the only defense or offensive weapon I've seen there was the sword, but that's not just the only offensive weapon we have. And, and like I said, most of it is defensive, the body armor, the shield, and this is what we stand with. And why is most of it defensive? Because the, the devil is aggressive. He's on the attack. But God has also given us offensive weapons that we're to attack the enemy with as well. And, and most of us are familiar with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's, that's our number one offensive weapon. That's what Jesus defeated the devil in the, in the wilderness with. 
But here's where the spirit of wisdom and understanding comes in. He also shows us battle strategies and how to attack the enemy. That was the other thing in the army. When we was training, uh, we would play what we call war games. And we'd go out in the field and you'd have the blue team and the red team. And we'd have blanks in our weapons, of course, and stuff like that. But we would have to come up with battle strategies. Where is the enemy? How are we going to attack them? What weapons are we going to use? Are we going to attack at night or during the day uh, when it's raining or when it's sunny? How, how, which way is the sun facing? Which way do we want to come in? All these things, different things are strategies. I mean, we're all dressed for battle, right? Why would he dress us for battle and have the shield of faith raise a sword in our hand and then not enter the battlefield? Where's the enemy? Ephesians 6, 12 tells us, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Some translations call them wicked spirits in the heavenlies. So our battlefield is in the heavenlies. It's not down here with man. I mean, the enemy that we're to engage is the wicked spirits that dwell in the heavenlies. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, Paul said. Our battle is, with, is not with your spouse. It's not with the boss on the job. It's not uh, with the car salesman, your co-worker, the bank manager that won't give you a loan. Your battle is not with him. Don't battle with him in, in, in the flesh. Your battle is with the principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places that is motivating and driving him or her. He's telling us our battle is spiritual. And, and I get it. You want to grab somebody by the hair and punch them in the throat. I know. That's the flesh. That's, that's the way we feel. We want to pull their hair out, bite, scream, kick, and roll on the ground with them. But that doesn't bring you a lasting victory. As a matter of fact, it makes it worse. Now you've got a battle in court or whatever, you know. That's carnal, it's fleshly. And I know it gives you satisfaction, makes you feel better, but it's very short-lived and it's not a lasting victory. That feeling of satisfaction goes away quickly. So then how do we engage the enemy that we can't see or feel? Verse 18. This is the weapon that you probably didn't think about. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That's one of your most powerful weapons is prayer and knowing what to pray. But even when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Ghost maketh intercession for you in groanings that cannot be uttered. When you know it not how or what to pray, not how to pray, we all know how to pray, but when you know it not what to pray, the Holy Ghost will kick in and pray with you and for you in the spirit. In the spirit. So you get to the battlefield in prayer. That's where you swing the sword of the spirit is in prayer. And you swing the sword of the spirit by preaching the gospel. You know, these whoever it was stole our air conditioner they need to have they need to be 
saved, they need to hear the gospel. That's the answer. That's where the battle is, is in the heavenly. It's not with the flesh and blood. It's, I, I know you like to grab them and knock them in the head and make them pay for the air conditioner, but that's not where the real battle is. It's in the spirit. And I don't know about you guys, but me and Pastor Red already started praying over the new air conditioner that's not even been put in yet, and we've been praying over these air conditioners. And, of course, we have to do everything that we can in the natural because they're natural. We live in a natural world with crazy people in it, and so these things are going to happen, and, and, you know, bad things happen to good people. You heard that before. But we, we put an extra camera where that air conditioner was stolen. And, and we have cameras on these air conditioners, but now we're going to put two more there that alert us. These cameras just, we have to check them periodically, but uh, the camera we installed in that, where that new air conditioner is going, it, it's a motion sensor camera. And as soon as somebody gets in motion or in whatever the field is and moves, it will beep and alert us and it will give us a picture of what's going on. That's what we really need. And so we're going to, we already installed that one Saturday, right, Queenie? Yeah, Saturday. And then we're going to come back and we're going to put one camera on each of the other three big air conditioners. We got cameras on them now, but they don't alert us. So we'll do everything that we can. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. So after we've done everything we can in the natural, now we're going to stand. Amen? Hold our ground. But you win your battles in prayer, and then the victory shows up in the natural. Then it shows up with that flesh that you've been wrestling with. Sometimes me and Pastorette, we have uh, heated and excited fellowship. And uh, we're both standing our ground. We're both right and we're both wrong. And then every once in a while, Pastor Ed will concede. Not too often, but she'll concede and she'll say, okay, okay. Well, let's just agree to disagree. But I know that woman goes to prayer. Because <laughs> in a day or two, I don't feel as adamant about whatever it was we were fellowshipping over. Yes. And I wind up apologizing. And she gets this smile on her face that I just know. I just know that she fought that battle in the heavenlies and now it's coming down on me. And so, I mean, that's what it's about. But if we take it to the heavenlies first, before we have heated fellowship and discussion, that might not ever come up. It's got to be defeated in the spirit before you see the victory in the flesh. Amen? Amen. So that armor you're wearing is prayer armor. It's for defending yourself while you're battling the spiritual wickedness. Now, God wouldn't give us all these, this prayer armor if the, if the enemy didn't have some weapons, too. So he, he gives us defensive armor first. And then he sends us into the heavenlies in prayer, swinging the sword of the Spirit and preaching the gospel. Paul said, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The enemy isn't going to take 
this lying down. Every time you try to advance, you're going to be attacked. Sometimes you're attacked before you try to advance. And you're going into his territory and his domain to do battle. So he's going to defend it just like you would defend your home. If somebody came into my home in the middle of the night, I am going to defend it at all costs, just like you would do and should do. So when you go into his territory, he's going to do the same thing. Now, we have to understand, he occupies the heavenlies. You know, there's, Paul said there's three heavens. Uh, the first heaven is the atmosphere over our head. It's the air that we breathe. The second heaven is outer space. And then the third heaven is actually where God dwells, the highest heaven. And so you've heard astronauts say, testify and say, man, I can say one thing about it up here. It is peaceful. I can feel, I can taste the peace that's up here, you know? And, and uh, several astronauts have said that. And, and it's been recorded. They said it on radio. I've heard it myself. And, and why is it so peaceful up there? No devil. No enemy. But you get into the Earth's atmosphere, and that peace is gone. Why? This is where he dwells. He dwells in the atmosphere over our heads. And uh, Paul said in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past, before you were quickened, before you were made alive, when you were dead in trespasses and sins, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So it, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. See, your child is disobedient. We're disobedient children because there's a spirit of disobedience working in us. He's the prince of the power of the air. Now God owns everything, including the heavenlies. But Satan is legally occupying the earth and the air around it. Uh, and all because of our forefather, Adam. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's not in our lesson, but it's still good. You know, when Satan was kicked out of heaven, Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. In other words, God booted him out of heaven in a hurry. And so, along with the third of the angels that rebelled with him. So, where did they go? To the earth's atmosphere. That's the penal colony for fallen angels and demon spirits. It's the earth's atmosphere. Well, uh, they didn't have authority or, or access to the earth until Adam gave it to them. So now they occupy the heavenlies, the spirits, and every country, every world leader has spiritual wickedness in high places influencing that region of the world, the region of the earth. And for example, Israel. I'm telling you the Middle East, that's the boiling pot for the whole world. Whatever happens in the Middle East, the whole world feels the percussions of it. And, and so there's a very high-ranking demon spirit or demon angel, fallen angel, over that region influencing things. And, and same thing with, with uh, Russia, the region up there. They have a spiritual wickedness and high, they have a 
uh, hierarchy that's influencing these leaders. We have one here in the United States and he's growing stronger and stronger because you're seeing more and more of his influence in this region of the world and for good reason. And the word teaches us that these spirits are fallen angels, but they've been dethroned by Jesus Christ. And when we engage these enemies, these demons, we should engage them with that wisdom and revelation and the knowledge and the attitude that Jesus has already defeated them and reduced them to zero, reduced them to naught. And that's why we're instructed in the word by Paul to pray for our leaders and all those that are in authority. Why? Because they're heavily influenced by evil. They're heavily influenced by evil. And you can see that some of them yield to that influence and they do evil things. That's why you have despots in different countries and uh, tyrannical rulers in different countries. They've been They've given to that spirit that's influencing them. But we have to realize that because Jesus dethroned them, that we have authority over them and we can reign over them. Now, have you ever heard that say, saying that every failure is a prayer of failure? Because you didn't fight that battle in prayer, you wound up failing here on earth in whatever it was. And uh, even Brother Hagin has said it before. He said, God will deal with the church before he deals with the evil that's going on in the earth because he's going to hold the church accountable for what's happening in this country right now. And he's going to hold the church accountable for what's happening in the world because we're not exercising our influence like the devil is exercising his. You know, originally God made the earth and the fullness thereof the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, the earth is the Lord's. Everything in it, on it, and around it belongs to God. But he gave that dominion over all the works of his hands to Adam. In other words, Adam was the God of this world. God entrusted Adam with the entire world to run it. But through disobedience, he committed high treason and he sold his authority to Satan. So through Adam, Satan became the God of this world. And that's how Paul describes him. And I think it's in 2 Corinthians. So Adam didn't have the moral right to commit treason, but he had the legal right to do it because God gave him that authority. And if it wasn't real, then God's a liar. And God's a swindler. But when God gives you something, it's real. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He gives it to you, and it's yours. And so when, when Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil challenged him and he showed him, he says, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and he said, all these will I give to you in the power of them, the authority over them, if you'll bow down and worship me. Jesus did not refute that. Jesus didn't say, uh-uh, devil is not yours to give. Why? Because it was the devil's to give. So Adam didn't have the moral right, but he had the legal right. But God is so smart, God knew in advance 
that he put Adam on a time lease because he knew Adam was going to give that authority to the devil. And along with what he gave the devil, he gave with he gave him also the lease. He was on the lease. In other words, like you ran an apartment for two years, and after a year, you decide to buy a home. You sublease your apartment to somebody else. Well, they take the responsibility of it until your lease runs out. And then you're release of the obligation of it. Well, Adam's lease is about to run out. So that means the devil's lease is about to run out. So Satan had the right to rule over us, but only until we became new creatures in Christ and we were baptized into the body of Christ. As we see in Colossians 1.13, Paul said, giving thanks unto the Father who hath, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Until this happened, we walked according to the course of this world or the world system, uh, according to the prince of the power of the air. We were led by him. But now we're no longer obligated to that. We're led by God. So that's why Satan has no right to rule over us or dominate us. And yet the average Christian has more faith in what Satan can do in his authority than they do in the power of God in his authority. And you say, oh no, not me. Yeah, you, every time you say something negative, you put more faith in the devil's authority and what the devil can do than what you do in God's authority and what he can do. And the Bible not only talks about the first Adam, which was the Adam that sold out, but also about the second Adam, Jesus Christ, who became our substitute and got everything back that Adam lost in the fall. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, he's called the last Adam. There's going to be no more Adams after him. And in the 47th verse, he's called the second man. And all that Jesus did, he did for us. Everything the first Adam did, Jesus did in reverse. Everything Adam lost, Jesus got it back. But the earth is still under the curse of the fall. But we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. There's a difference in that. So even though we're here on the earth, we're subject to the fall. It's all around us. We see it happening all around us. But he's removed the curse that came with that fall. Sickness, poverty, and spiritual death. And our trouble is that we have a tendency to move everything into the future. See, we think, oh, one day we'll have authority. One day we'll be healed. One day we'll be delivered. One day we'll be saved. One day never comes. Paul said today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of your healing. Today is the day of everything. Amen? And most church people believe we'll exercise our authority in the millennium. But here's, here's the thing. The Bible tells us Satan will be bound for a thousand years. He'll be bound in the pit for a thousand years. So that's the millennium. And if he's bound, what do we need authority over? We won't have to exercise authority because there's nothing to exercise authority over. There's no resistance. Our faith will not be challenged. That's why I said when I was teaching on the millennium, you know, you'd be assigned a certain region or an area and somebody falls and breaks their neck 
and you get a word of knowledge and you translate yourself from here to there and you speak to them and raise them from the dead. Why could you do that? Because there's no resistance. The word works without any resistance. You speak the word now, it still works, but there's resistance. The devil comes against you with everything he has. He'll discourage you. He'll cause doubt to come in you. He'll try to get you into fear. He does everything he can. But in the millennium, you, you won't have any of that. You speak the word and it will work immediately. So there's no need to exercise authority because there's not going to be anything there to exercise authority over because the Bible says there will be nothing there that will hurt or destroy. So it's now when there's something that will hurt and destroy that we have to exercise authority. But a lot of people believe we can't have much of anything now. And they think Satan's running everything down here. But we got to remember, however, that although we're in the world, we are not of the world. And John reminds us that the greater one, one is in us. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. The one in you is greater than the one that's operating in this world system. And it's true, the devil is running a lot of things down here on the earth. He's running a lot of things in this country right now. But he's not running you, he's not running me, and he's not running the church. We can't let him do that. Amen? And we have the authority to keep him from doing that. You know, they pass a law that you can't have church on Sunday. You have to have it on a Friday night at 11.59 p.m. Nobody's coming to church at 11.59. I can't get you here on 10.30 on a Sunday morning when the sun is shining. So that law would violate God's law. So we don't obey that law. We're in a fight, though, right? So, you know, we can't allow them to run up. You know... Going back to the pandemic, and, and the pandemic was real. I, you know, God knows we know it was real. It, it killed yeah. our Gwenny. But that was a test run. The devil ran a test. Let me see if I can get the churches to close. Let me see if I can put a mask on their mouths and shut them up. And stop the gospel from going forth. And we fell for it for, I don't know, a couple of weeks, right? We come to, me and Brother Daryl come to church here, and, and I preached to Brother Daryl on the Facebook too, and uh, that's how we got the word out. But once I woke up and realized what was going on, we opened the doors, and I said, never again, never again will we close these doors. Never again will I mask. Never again. Well, I didn't do it in the first place, but you know, that was another part of the test. How far will the people go in letting us mess with their bodies, injections and things like that? How far will they go? Will they go far enough for us to inject a chip down the road? And, and this, these were all tests, you know. What about our military? Let's clean up, let's clean the righteous out of the military. Probably gonna get censored, I don't care. So, if you don't take the vaccine, we're going to fire you from the military. So, what's left? 
everyone that we know that will obey us if there's an uprising for what we're doing. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hidden things in the agenda, but uh, this is the devil. This is spiritual wickedness in high places operating on this earth and even in our country. But we can't allow them to, to run us. We can't allow them to run the church and we can't allow them to dominate us. And, and we have to, we should be dominating him. That's why God says he'll hold the church responsible for what's happening on the earth. And he'll hold the church responsible for what's happening in this country. We had a chance. We didn't stand up and we didn't take it. Amen? That's all I'm going to say for that right now. Well, that's all I'm going to say about anything for tonight because it's 8 o'clock straight up. I talked enough. So we're going to quit right here. And Lord willing, we'll pick up here again next Wednesday and continue this until we finish the book. I don't know when that's going to be. I think I only got through half a chapter tonight. But this is all good stuff. And, and it's like I said before, you can't exercise authority over other people's lives. But you can exercise them over your life. But if you see a spirit of disobedience working in somebody, you can exercise your power in the spirit through prayer. That's one of your offensive weapons. Don't fight with them. Don't smack them in the head and tell them to stop doing it because they'll do it more. So you get into the heavenlies with your prayer armor. I'm going to call it prayer armor because that's what he says. He says, uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Stand when? Stand where? When you get into prayer and you enter that heavenly realm and you enter that battlefield where all the spiritual wickedness and the rulers of darkness and the, uh, this uh, wicked powers are. That's prayer armor. That's what you wear it for, is to go into battle in prayer. Amen? Yes. So you start doing that on that child of disobedience, and before you know it, things will start to change. Why? Because you're doing uh, your battle in the heavenlies, in the spirit, and you're that, that spirit that is influencing him and having reign over him, you're taking authority over it in the spiritual realm through prayer, and all of a sudden, it starts. he starts showing improvement. Why? Because that spirit can't operate the way it wants to. You're stopping it. Amen? But you try to stop that person, you ain't going to get anywhere with them. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk this Sunday. We're going to talk about uh, the Church of Philadelphia. The church of Brotherly Love. And one of the things Jesus said is, He'll give you the key of David. Ooh. That sounds mysterious. That sounds important. It is important because keys represent something. So we'll talk about that Sunday. I love you all. God bless you. And we'll see you Sunday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.